Welcome back. My name is Charles, and you're listening to the Bringing It All Back Home podcast. This is episode eight, live chat with Mark Gallo. Mark is a producer and composer, musician, and he's been working on a lot of interesting projects. And this conversation today is going to kind of give us a background about how he got started and where he is now. Uh, There's some really exciting um, projects that uh, we're going to be focusing in on, uh, including one from Gallo's Pole uh, and the soundtrack for T-Rack Whip. So stay tuned. Uh, And at this break, we're going to dive right in and see what that all means. All right. Hey, Mark, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, This is... uh the Bringing It All Back Home podcast, and uh, can't wait to get started. How are you? I'm doing very well. Awesome, awesome. So we're uh, we're both uh, communicating here in South Jersey to, uh, uh, I guess, the suburbs of Philly. Uh, is, is is your studio considered the suburbs of Philly? Or yeah, more or less. Drexel yeah. Hill, right Drexel outside Hill. of Philly, in the greater Philadelphia area. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, and yeah. and they say it's hot out there today. I, I, uh... it is. <laughs> Untolerable. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Or is it intolerable? Intolerable. Right. Yeah. He's starting of off those, with bad English. No, one of those tolerability things. Uh, cool. So let's jump in, man. Uh, as you know, like the podcast is kind of about either uh, South Jersey photography, but also uh, just as equally about creative projects from people around the world. And uh, when I think of creative projects, I think of you. You, you, uh, <laughs> you, you. We can go deeper into this. I would love to know when. When the project part of the creative project uh, started, but let's just go back, back, back to uh, to you growing up. If that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, do you want me to? Yeah. Well, we'll tell can... you my life. Tell you my life story. <laughs> <laughs> With just uh, a couple exceptions. No. Uh, you know, like South Jersey. I know. Uh, you know, we met obviously uh, just as you were finishing up high school. But and Cole, um, your journey. Uh, involved a couple different high schools, but uh, but yeah, it's just uh, some part of maybe letting the viewers, uh, viewers, <laughs> yeah, the listeners in on where uh, where things got started for you. Oh, um, really? It was um, it was from what you just briefly tapped on. I, I there was a period there when I was a teenager, and my mom was m- moving because she was um, a property manager at, uh, for a company that had condominiums all throughout the Delaware Valley, and. Pretty much every school year I had a, you know, we had a move and I would end up going to a new, new high school. And that's kind of how I got all involved in music because I would make friends at one school and then move 50 miles away and, you know, have to start the whole process of socializing again. So there were these times where I would just have uh, a lot of, um, time on my hands and and it was really that need to occupy myself where I started to pick up a guitar started playing and so on and I didn't take lessons or anything like that I just kind of just taught myself which was probably not the right way to do it but it's just the path I took you know and then um by the time I I was in my senior year at, at Atlantic City um you know, that's when I met you guys, you know, and, you know, we, we were doing the coffee house things and jams and, and stuff like that. And, and, you know, and the whole essence of being in a group, a band was just very exhilarating. You know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and it was really a, a fun time for us, I think. Yeah. Really I, and if I can ask uh, so two questions about that, like one is, uh, do you remember your first guitar or, or how did that? Uh, oh, yes. My 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 Gresh, my six string electric guitar uh, advertised as, quote, unquote, the beast. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you look at the thing and it's a rather a diminutive instrument. You know what I mean? It's really kind of like it's a, it, it has a shorter scale than most electric guitars. It's it's very light. The action's fa- fabulous on it. So, you know, the, the name didn't really match the product and stuff. And I think they actually soon went out of business thereafter. But 
Um, but yeah, that was my first guitar. Boy, I love that guitar. And I still have it today. You still have it. Yeah. And, and was that, uh, was that while you were still at one of the schools uh, in Philly or that after you had come back down to the shore? It was when I was actually at, I think I was at Roman Catholic in Philadelphia, in Philly. all boys school, broad and vine. Yeah. Oh, still wow. going, still going strong yeah. there too. All boys school. Never had been to an all boys school. Glad I never went again, but um, the point is, is that, yeah, it was like really during that time, it was, it, I bought it at Sam Goody's. I was just going to say, we had, on, yeah, yeah, on yeah. On Chestnut yeah. Street. On Chestnut. It was like, yeah, it was like yeah, yeah, 13th yeah. and 12th. Right. And I bought my um, pig nose amp, um, which I still have today. Yeah, yeah. Solid state amp with built in reverb. So I was, uh, and built in distortion, I might add. So I, I, I was. I had the pig nose sound. That's <laughs> but seriously, that's incredible because because I mean, you picked two instruments that just added so much to your sound for ages, decades, uh, just right from the beginning. Your first two, your your amp and your guitar were a perfect fit, right? Literally, right from your first instrument. That's that's uh, quite amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like a sentimental thing there. You know, it's like you know, it's just. You sit there and you just, you know, you just never let it go. And yeah, sure, I could gone out and bought myself a twenty five hundred dollar Les Paul, you know, yeah, that, yeah, extremely yeah. high end because it's just far more, uh, just better. You know, yeah, just really just just the manufacturing process is a lot better. I think I bought my guitar for the Gresh for like maybe 150 bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. it but plays it's great fine. Instrument. It's, yeah, just, it's yeah. just great. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just, and you get attached to it and that's what it is. You know, it's like, you never forget your first girl. <laughs> Sometimes wow. Some people probably wish they forgot their first girl, but anyway, <laughs> so anyway. So, so, okay. So, uh, and then you mentioned jamming, you mentioned working, uh, you know, getting involved with music with other people and, and the idea of, uh, of, 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 of not the band, uh, possibly multiple bands. Uh, and, and that was something that, um, came to, like, that was something naturally you were inclined to as well. Uh, you were you didn't immediately say, Oh, well, I've got my guitar, whether it was acoustic electric and I kind of just want to be solo. You, you sort of saw yourself as being in a band. Yeah, really. Well, you know, it was the music that I, that, that I was into, you know, or and, and I should probably say we were into, you know, right, I mean, right. at the time, you know, the talking heads, um, you know, also King Crimson had, had formed again, you know, we're, t we're talking in this time frame, the early eighties, obviously, and yeah. so on. So, the, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, there was like, you know, early stages of computer music where, you know, that allows you to be more self-contained, so to speak. You don't have to deal with other musicians, but that was really not until more like the mid to later eighties, you know? Um, so, you know, really the, the whole essence of, of doing music was from the vantage point of being in a band, sure. a group, sure. you know, so that's, that's really, and that's what ultimately led when I went to Temple University and, and then just jammed a lot with a lot of people and it just kind of all kind of came together in one way or another. You know? And some of the, some of the, the names you just mentioned, um, you know, whether it was David Byrne from Talking Heads or uh, Robert Fripp from, from Crimson and, and, and people like uh, Peter Gabriel and Brian Eno, I, I always got the sense that it wasn't just that you got inspired or, or admired their music, but I think it, there was something really resonated in the fact that they kind of presented themselves as artists who were making music as opposed to just musicians, they, the artist part of it uh, seemed to be something that, that uh, took root uh, for you. Or yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a fair assessment. I mean, it, it, and really ever saw myself to get like specific here as a session player, mm -hmm. you know, right, a, right. a person where, you know, oh, they're working on a song and they need somebody to play a lead guitar part. And, you know, oh, call Mark Gallo. He's a session musician, guitarist and so on. You know, I never really saw myself as that person. I, I really came more from the vantage point of what you're you're describing, you know, Fripp and and talking heads, David Byrne, where they kind of came from as really artists and just 
guitar was for me a channel yeah you know yeah you know this was just you know it's no different than me going okay i'm not playing the guitar today i'm working on the keyboard you know uh you know it's just it's just a channel to just kind of to 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 create your work yeah and it's an interesting word too because uh i mean there's uh one or two uh people i want to uh work with uh as part of the podcast who literally just work with uh they make um you know, they work with, uh, they work with art in the sense that they're either physically making, you know, watercolors or acrylics, or they're, they're using some of the, the digital art programs like Procreate. And when you describe them as artists, uh, nobody uh, blinks an eye. It doesn't sound pretentious. It doesn't sound, you know, like, but it's funny, but when you do describe, say, a musician uh, or even a photographer, uh, say, or a filmmaker who describes themselves or is inspired as an artist, it starts, you know, you, it, it almost is as, as if you can be possibly sending uh, not quite the right message or it could be misinterpreted or, you know, but, but, but I see it just as there are people who are, looking like you said at at i uh they're bringing ideas into uh the project perhaps and, and maybe um letting those ideas infiltrate um uh, a little more freely as opposed to feeling like they have to just uh just think about um say the rhythm section or the, or the lead vocals or what have you uh or you know people like fripp and and, and gabriel and 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 Hamill from you know uh, these guys are often typically inspired by some ideas as well you know yeah you know like a a big thing in the world of music and and i've gradually gotten away from it um because i own a studio with lots of gear and stuff like that it's just that you see this a lot with musicians um and artists as they always and this has a lot to do with you know um getting sponsorships and promotions from manufacturers of audio equipment, but they, but they always have a tendency to feature their gear, you know, yeah. like, look at this compressor, look at this guitar, you know, look at my console or look at these plugins I'm using and stuff like that. And over the years I've fallen victim to that, you know, where, you know, but and you kind of you kind of get misguided in that sense. I, I think it, it 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 gives off the wrong message because really they're just tools to just help you kind of create the end product, and the end product is your work. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of people think. And I'm sorry if I'm digressing. No, please here, go. But no, please I'll, go. I'll, br- go I'll, I'll bring it back. But no. you know, a lot of people think like, "Oh man, like I need to have this really high end gear to create, you know, a, a work, you know, of music or or a painting or or photography." And it's, you know, and, and true, you, you need adequate tools. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's you know, the latest and the greatest, the most expensive thing is just, you're mistaken. You don't, Yeah. you know, yeah. you, you really don't. So, um, okay. So, you know, that's yeah. a point I wanted to make there. But, yeah. So as we move along, like you mentioned, you're, 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 uh, you're finishing up your undergrad, you're, you're, you're doing, working in both, uh, uh, the so-called RTF, I guess, right? Radio, TV, film. Yeah, uh, no longer known as RTF, oh, from what I understand. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, but, but yes, yeah. but, but school of communications, right. pretty much. Yeah. And, and you developed uh, a kind of cine club, right? You you guys developed. Uh, a... Oh, that was during Temple. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that was a real hybrid of thing. It's kind of very similar to what you're doing here with the podcast. It's it was just really this hybrid of of poets and. Yeah, you know, songwriters, bands, filmmakers, videographers, you know, comedians. You know, it was a it, you know we did a variety of venues all throughout Philadelphia. Bacchanal on yeah. South Street, yeah. they're no more. Yeah. Right, uh, the Kennel Club uh, yeah. on Walnut Street, they're no more. And revival, it, like I think revival was fifth, right near Fifth and Market. Right, and they're no right. more as well, but. They were like the three main places that we would have these like vaudevillian shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and obviously, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if people who are younger remember that the '80s brought out this sort of performance art thing. 
you know, starting with the yeah. Soho stuff and especially into the mid eighties. Uh, and, and that, the, you know, that was part of what you were bringing to with your first or not, I guess you, could you call bag your first band? Is that, is that, is that yeah, I, yeah. I really, well, one of your first yeah, bands? You know, you know, yeah, yeah. I would say really that was like the first group and that really, and bag really came out of just what was going on with these cine club shows, if you think about it, it was just, it was just kind of just all these different acts and different, um, and musically speaking, different genres, you know, we had bands doing speed metal. We had prog rock bands. We had new wave bands. We had singer songwriter, acoustic guitar stuff. So I had a classical quartet, you know, um, perform once so it was a really um hybrid thing and that really kind of what kind of gave me ideas with with bag and and really incorporating a lot of different styles and ideas where it wasn't just one specific style um of writing that we did right and and and, and i think you know i always i mean uh i associate with your work and what and what your interests are there's there's always multiple things involved you know depending on the project you know but going back to 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 those early days you know so so you were uh you know there was a kind of performance to literally some of your songs uh and i although i suppose bag didn't really get a chance did you guys get a chance to really explore making uh videos uh, as well to to incorporate um yeah we we did but you know they were never quite good enough okay you know but you had the idea like like anybody in college you know you're 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 all kind of broke you know (laughs) what i mean right right yeah the the bar to admission was was a lot higher back then to get yeah yeah so but you know but so and 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 the emphasis was really more on the show. Yes, yes. The performance live. You know, that's, you know, it was always about being live. And, and that's where, you know, I started along with Mary Hughes and, and, and believe it or not, less so Patrick, but Mary had a background in, in music theater. She was an opera singer, actually trained opera singer. She was in the school of music at Temple university. Um, a wonderful singer, but that's where, you know, the Genesis of like, we had a tune called Tay rack whip, you know, and we created chairs with Eagle Keith cannon, also from the Jersey shore as, as you know, um, you know, we remember in his parents' garage, we built these two Tayrak whip chairs, which is an acronym for the American right for adequate chair with in public and private places. That's a mouthful now, isn't it? <laughs> yes. No yes. wonder. If no, that's, that's not a knee for an acronym, then yes. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, we like incorporated those chairs in the show. And then, you know, we had another tune Easter Day, which you probably recall. And I had the egg helmet and stuff. <laughs> You know, and the big egg, egg. Remember the big egg yes. that we used to hang from the stage, and so on. So I'm sorry, no, I'm, please, I'm going I'm, off. No, here, but this but, is all good because <laughs> I think it's all going to really tie in, tie together, tie, tie in. You know, so yeah, so so yeah. So you were able to experience um, helping um, drive ideas, you know, for uh, for bag in both performance and the composition, uh, and then. Uh, segue a little bit later, or maybe more than a little bit later. But now, if we want, you know, maybe maybe move forward maybe another five or 10 years and uh and you're you're an entrepreneur now you have your own business and you're you're building your own recording studio could could you tell us about some of that journey oh sure um after well just just really speed it up like in the early 90s after bag disbanded um i had i had bought a home in drexel hill pennsylvania and it had a detached garage and um, and a year earlier, we had recorded and released our EP, Happy Family. And it was really, you know, I've worked in studios before, but we were in there for like a good three days um, recording and mixing and so on. And it was just a really enjoyable experience. It was done at uh, David Ivory studio at the time out in Royersford, PA, called Iris Sound. And... Um, and I was just hooked on building myself a studio. Um, and really, it was in the early 90s that I had really a crazy idea because it was a daunting task 
um, converting the garage into a professional recording studio, but I was, I was determined to do it and was fortunate enough to pull it off where I converted the whole garage into a, what you call a professional project studio. Yeah. Where you could yeah. go in there and, and, and a full console. And this is where computers started to have a big play in the work that I was doing from that point forward, MIDI controlled instruments and effects and automation and mixing and all that and using sound bites and loops and all that stuff. And, and then that kind of led into the group, no one, you know, which was a pure studio project, completely different than, than bag. There was no performance at all. It was all really an exercise in composition and sound design and working in a, in, in a project studio. So, so really that was a big transition point for me, you know, in the way I work. Sure. And in a way it was almost like your grad school uh, in a sense for, for sound design, you know, I suppose a DIY. Yeah, well, yeah, to yeah. totally. Yeah. Again, once again, I guess that leads back to when I was in high school and decided to teach myself how to play guitar. It was kind of like, I taught myself how to build my own studio, you know what I mean? Which I, I don't really recommend this at home, so to speak. No, but, <laughs> uh, no. And, and, and for folks listening, this is pre-YouTube. Mark couldn't just Google, hey, how do, I, how do I put up this or put up that? This was literally, I mean, the internet was around, but there wasn't like, oh, I could just lean on these, you know, these various videos uh, to help me, you know, do this. See, but I, yeah. I did, yeah. but I did have, you know, collateral support, okay. you know, okay. Okay. like Dan McKay and stuff. He had worked as an engineer at third story recording in Philadelphia. I see. I see. And they're still around today. So, so he was, he was deeply involved in assisting me kind of in designing it and executing it and so on. The wiring, I did a lot of the wiring, but not without the help of people like Bill Coe, and subsequently, about a year or so afterwards, uh, Chris Gately and stuff. So, right, you know, right. I wasn't foolish enough to think that I could do something that, um, yes, I was a, a, a musician. Yes, I was a songwriter. Yes, I had engineering experience. But I was most certainly not qualified at that time to build a professional <laughs> uh, recording studio. Right, right. But I was, I was willing to put... Uh, the sweat and the guts and the dollars and cents in making it happen and reaching out to people to assist me in achieving it. So, yeah. Now if it's possible, I'd like to just bring up one thing. I hope it won't go completely on a tangent, but, but in the nineties, late nineties, um, one of the last coffee houses that I helped put together uh, was above this little uh, this little uh, apartment in, in in the same town as, as Rowan, you know, in Glassboro. And uh, a lot of different people showed up, and 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 it got off to a fairly tr traditional start. Some people read something, some people performed something, um, and I'll never forget though when you came up. Uh, and, and you, uh, thank, luckily, you were there too. Uh, people came came to Glassboro from a lot of different places. Um, I, and, I, and pardon me if I'm getting this wrong, but what I remember from it uh, was that instead of just going into, hey, let me, let me read this for you or let me perform this for you, you went into this thing about not just, hey, uh, you guys should uh, not quit your day job. It wasn't like, hey, you know, don't quit your day job. It was, no, quit your day job, become an entrepreneur. There's so many opportunities right now for you to become a financially independent if you want to jump into that sort of thing and, and then make your art in a way that's not in any way dependent on um, having to go commercial. It was essentially a plea that, hey, you could be as free form as you want uh, without having to to meet up with uh, paying the bills. Is that sort of, uh, I, did I get that partially right? Yeah, 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 more more or less. And and I remember you were kind of pissed at me for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, I've grown to love it. I've, I've since now, like always look back at that. It's like, that that was amazing. But you're absolutely right. I was probably appalled that uh, instead, of, yeah. instead, of show, instead of being part of a yeah. coffee house, yeah. you're doing what, what sounds like an, an info uh, ad or something. But, but it had a really good point, I think. And, and, and yeah, I, I'm, I was always, you know, I'm a strong be believer in being like self-contained, you know, and, um, and having that luxury. Now, there's a downside to that, obviously, you know, because, you know, with any type of thing that you do, you know, the, the issue of money 
always becomes involved and that and that there's nothing wrong at all with monetizing your art you know i mean because if you're making money from your art it puts you in a position where you can make more art you know but i know from my experience particularly at that time and and, and you referenced the 90s and stuff that you know oh my god it it, it was such an you know there were so many people, musicians I knew, and, and really including myself years earlier, looking to make it, you yeah. know, that phrase, make it in the industry that, you know, I, I, I became put off by it. And I, I, it was really, really started really in the early 90s after bag disbanded i was just like you know i'm not going to go down that road and try to get another band and put music together that's that's contemporary where you know you can point to a demographic that you can market to and monetize it and all that type of stuff you know i I just feel that that really from an artistic solely artistic standpoint just really can pigeonhole yourself and end up doing things that you're really not into, you know, over a short period of time. So, so yeah, I mean, I was more interested in developing, uh, for lack of a better word, an ecosystem, so to speak, where this is where I make my money. And at that time when I did that, you know, probably um, um, arrogant presentation at your coffee house, <laughs> That I, you know, I was in the wireless industry and I was doing well for myself and I had a professional project recording studio and I was a published artist. And yes, I wasn't on the billboard charts or anything like that, but I I was completely self-contained, you know, and, 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 um, and I, I was, I felt better doing it on those terms than, you know, talking to a, a record executive when I was over in London. Remember playing with John's band? Yeah, of course. Slap in the face. Yeah. And I did. I went to go see like three record labels. One was EG Records. Another one was Razor Records, which had the licensing deal for um, um, selling, uh, distributing uh, Spinal Tap of all of all bands <laughs> in England. There, it was fascinating. But anyway, guy was very interesting. But it was it was it was curious in my discussions with these record executives that when I was playing a bag, Happy Family, our commercial release and stuff, that they were immediately trying to talk about how to market us and like, yeah, we can probably turn you guys into like a B fifty two spinoff because you know Mary was in the right. band at the right. time and stuff, right. and right. and with my right. vocals, it was very easy, particularly on some of the songs like Happy Family and that fictional you to sound similar to you know b-52s that i was just like oh christ man you haven't heard the other wacky shit that we've done man stuff like tayrak whip which is nothing like the b-52s you know what i mean so it was just very curious very you know illuminating to see where they were trying to mold us and it you know, it was exciting to be talking to record executives and stuff like that. But at the same time, from an artistic standpoint, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I mean, this is no different than selling cell phones, which was what I was doing at the time. So, but anyway, I, yeah. again, I apologize. Yeah. I'm probably no, no, not at all. No, no, I, I, <laughs> you know, I always thought this it, and it's, it's kind of a conversation that, that or a topic that uh, could could we could go on and on and on about it because there's so many uh you know i suppose subtleties to to the argument too but i always i, I find it intriguing and I, and I do think it's sort of coming back as a as a as a sort of side theme as i as i do some of these podcasts um where um uh, like the the gentleman uh, who i who i just spoke with um kenneth where he was doing photography on a more commercial way uh with with certain architectural stuff but then when he finally went into his own business um, he wants to keep pushing what he really loves doing. If 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 it's the sustainable, more more fashion and beauty, uh, and I think you know, as it, as a uh, as people working on whether it's writing or whether it's uh, I guess coming up as a photographer, maybe if someone was just getting started, they do face these these challenges of uh, well, what, you know, what what can I work in um, that 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 still uh, either pays the bills or inspires you or ideally both. Uh, but yeah, we'll come back to that. I'm sure another time because that's one of those conversations that can keep going. So, so yeah, I'd love to hear now uh, if it's okay. Um, I know you've been working with 
different projects uh, with a big P <laughs> in the word projects yeah. uh, over the last couple of years. And as the last time I saw you, uh, you know, you, you went into the backstory about where where you wanted to go with um, the current one and why. But yeah, if you, if it's okay, let's uh, let's talk about Gallup's poll and talk about the incredible, uh, just amazing, uh, almost symphonic amount of work uh, and collaboration that went into uh, what you're working on now. This project, Gallows Poll, um, was like ridiculously delayed for new, and really the fault solely lies with me. Um, and it and it was circled around this tune, which I mentioned earlier, Tay Rack Whip, um, which is more or less, in short, a political allegory. Um, you know, a satire on the kind of weaponization of chairs uh, that discriminate against you know, Americans with metabolic differences, or in short, obese Americans, uh, <laughs> people having difficulty sitting in stadium seats, airline seats, and so on, and blown it up into this whole kind of surreal conspiracy theory, um, which is very, as you know, popular today in this, uh, in the age of Trump, so to speak. But what delayed it was is just that I just didn't see it just as a song. I, I, I saw it as just something where it was like a story, an, a, a world, an allegory, basically, yeah. you know, yeah. an allegory where I got animators involved. I got actors involved, photographers involved and um, and and really just building this world. Uh, you know, around Tayrak Whip, which is a fictitious lobbying organization of cloned lobbyists advocating <laughs> on behalf of Americans uh, with what we call metabolic differences. And, and so it took me some time. It took me far longer than I thought. Of course, cost me a lot more than I ever thought. But we have a series of, of, of animations, of, of soundtracks, um, and of videos that we're currently rolling out now at gallowspole.com, which kind of tells this tale, this, this kind of, this, you know, this, this alt-reality of, you know, absurd conspiracy theories fueled by, justified by alternative facts. <laughs> 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 so so yeah so so that's kind of uh and and it and it all leads this allegory it all leads to the song Tayrak Whip. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a major conspiracy in our society today and it has to do with chairs. <laughs> Chairs is a topic not often talked about in regard to people who consume chairs. That is, people who sit on them. Well, you know that includes everyone. I know the last time you were here, I was kind of giving you a peek into the mix the sound mix and it was it was really my my most ambitious mix that I, that I've ever done so yeah yeah it, it, um i mean there's so many different things uh, to 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 start with there uh let's let's i guess leave uh start with with what you just left off with uh you know i, I was uh just mentioning uh to uh to Roger yesterday uh the podcast about some of his photography and video work and um and I'd ask him, well, do you do much uh, Photoshop lately? And, and we mentioned uh, the hours that someone can work in Photoshop on just a single uh, photo. Uh, and I'm really, I was thinking of Jerry Bennett. Um, but yeah, so, so in some ways, like if, if, if you're, say, just your, your drums <laughs> were, a, uh, were, were uh, a single photo, uh, it would probably be a, a Photoshop with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of layers, you know, to, to, to help that analogy go for people who may not work in uh with recording uh uh software but but yeah it, it, uh it, let me ask you a question did you know uh going into the reworking of the song 
that this was an opportunity to do that or did it just kind of fall together uh, as, as it does? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just kind of evolved that way. I, I, was, I was really honestly my, my own worst enemy. You know, um, you know, cause like, you know, interesting, you know, Brian Eno, um, from, you know, in one of those, um, professional audio engineering magazines, he was being interviewed and he said, you know, the downside with today's technology is that it gives the engineer, the producer too many options. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you can, you know, and, and, and. To a certain degree, I kind of fell into that trap. I'm glad I fell into that trap retrospectively. Right. But, you know, when I was in it, you know, I was so deep in it at times that I was just like, oh, my God, it's just like this thing is like being built out. It's like a three minute song and it has over like 180 buses, which is, you know huge for a three minute song huge with processors individually controlled and all that type of stuff and you know and if you're not on top of it it can easily get out of hand and you know and 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 there's a lot of wisdom to what Eno says you know because when you go back to the days for instance of the beatles and george martin and what he did on magical mystery tour and stuff like that they were dealing with four tracks yeah, and you yeah, listen yeah. to that stuff, and you're like, "Oh my God, they got it, an orchestra in some of these pieces. They got these wild sonic effects, and you know, and and manipulating voices. And this guy's only using four tracks. And the beautiful thing with that scenario is, is just that he had to make decisions. Yeah, he had to go. No, man, we're not going to do this 50 million ways because we we don't have that many tracks. We got to make decisions here on how we're going to lay this out. So. Um, but with that said, you know, retrospectively, I'm glad what I did, but I, there was a period of time I was really in the shit, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you got to watch yourself. There. Yeah. And, and also too, I guess there was a, a divide there, you know, like, uh, it, there was the dedicated producer and then there were the composer slash players. Uh, so the producer could say, okay, yeah, we're, we're good. Whereas you were all those, uh, in one person, you know, in the sense that the, you know, uh, the, well, the- I have to give credit where credit to, I mean, actually almost everything on Tay rack whip is live performers and so on, but a, a, a really a critical person that I was working with, um, David Ivory. Okay. Um, who's a very well known, um, um, music producer, engineer. Um, he was invaluable and just, you know, when you get yourself involved in such a complicated mix like that, it's always critical to have an extra set of ears, you know, because you get, you get, you know, you suffer from what they call, you know, tunnel vision, right. You know, you kind of just lose sense of, you know, kind of where you are and so on. But no, I, I had other people involved in, but yeah, I was spearheading the overall mix and, uh, and daunting. At times, quite yeah. daunting. Because I wanted to build a world. That's really what I wanted to do. And I wanted it to be visual as well as um, aural. You know, because mm-hmm. it, you know, typically when you're in a band, you kind of go for a look and you go for a sound. You know, but I wanted to do something more ambitious here. I wanted to build this world and create this political allegory with like cast of characters. You know, um, in in many ways, I I see this thing, even though I'm kind of rolling it out as a web series, you know, in many ways, I could see this thing developing into a short film. Oh, well, you know, okay, you know, easily developed that way with a whole storyline and and everything. But that's for another day, but that's really the way it's being rolled out. It's like a web series of soundtracks, animations, videos, and seeing where it goes from there. Awesome. Know. Awesome. So yeah, so that's, that's, um, uh, if, and, and obviously I'll, I'll provide a link and that's part of uh, what you've, what you've kind of brought under the umbrella of gallows pole, I, I suppose. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Gallows pole is the artist. Tayrak whip is the project. Yes. Yes, and then there's the the, uh, the cloned mutants working as, Cloned, as part of yes. the, uh, the cloned lobbyists. <laughs> I'm sorry, the cloned lobbyists, not mutants. <laughs> I, I don't mean in any way mean to offend anyone with that title. Uh, <laughs> the clones. No, lobbyists. it was fun. I got to tell you, it was it was really fun 
cloning myself <laughs> and you know into, yes. in, into a team of lobbyists these animators from london across the pond they were they were sean and luke they were pronimation that's their firm they did a great job they really did so um so yeah, I, I I was really uh pleased, really kind of pushing it in that direction and so on. So yeah, it's fun. Awesome. Okay. Fun, fun. So so uh at some point, I guess um this will continue into the remainder of the year. And then in 2020, are you looking to start something new or bring back something that uh was also on the show? Well, yeah, I'm I'm going to be really driving Tayrak Whip between now and the end of the year, and then you know I got other. I mean, there's other sketches that I've written, you know, um, for which involve some of them involve music, some of them don't involve music. Like the subsequent one after after um, Tayrak Whip Whip is a, a mock infomercial titled um, Invest in Your Lobbyist Today dot com. Oh. So, um, which is a mock infomercial, which really surmises just like, hey, instead of going out and voting for a politician, invest in a lobbyist to advocate for your cause. Because nine times out of 10, people are single issue voters. You know, it might be healthcare, it might be lower my taxes, it might be climate change and stuff like that. And really what gets legislation passed, sorry for digressing here, sure. in our government these days is really um, lobbyists and the people with the most money. You know, it's not really a true democracy. It's really not. And really the people that hold the sway are the lobbyists. They're the ones that are in the ears of all, all, the, all the elected representatives, you know, and, and, and it's the money that backs them and backs the PACs and backs the super PACs um, and backs the super duper PACs. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a super duper PAC? There probably will be one of these days. But anyway, it's a whole mock infomercial about that whole thing. So sorry for digressing once again. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that is, <laughs> that's obviously a big part. Um, like you uh, like I think you were mentioning when we were uh, – chatting about this project uh, a month or two ago was that the political times has really informed why this has uh, got more uh, of an urgency for you and, and why this, this feels like a, a place to, to continue. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, 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 it's partly about the music, but it's really about these issues, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and even though it's, it's, it's laid out as a, as a satire, you know, and, and, and you know, in a kind of allegorical way, it's, it's really fueled by like, truthfully, anger, you know, I could probably equally just get my Gresh electric guitar, a bassist and a drummer put on my leather suit and just bang out three chord wonders, you know, and with just tremendous angst at what's going on today. In um in our in our political system, but that's for another day, another project. But the way I'm handling it now is kind of funneled through Gallows Pole, you know, which is a fusion of kind of like satire, dark satire, I should probably say. But yeah, and so on. Yeah. So. Although for dark satire, uh, Gallows Pole looks very cheerful in those shots. <laughs> I, I do, but it's <laughs> I, I I really do. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm playing like that that used car salesman guy. Yes. In a vaudeville yes. show. In yeah. a vaudeville show. Yeah. Yeah. Vaudevillian. Well, that's what a lot of the themes I have going on in this project are vaudevillian. You know, the, the, you know, the puppets, right. they, you know, they're, they're dressed in like a ringmaster suit. In fact, the music video trailer that's going to be rolling out in a few weeks. So, you know, I'm performing in it in a ringmaster suit and there's curtain changes and and stuff and those kind of circuits, uh, circus spiral tents uh, that you'll see because it's kind of like, a you know, a vaudevillian show. You know, these days it's a political circus. And so that's a lot of that imagery. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm doing. It's it's cheerful, but it's kind of edgy and dark. Right. Or, or, or even going back to the, the uh, a little bit before our time, even but the old boardwalk days where uh, there would be hawkers and, and, and there was a sucker born every minute to come in and uh, lose their money on, on the games and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. um would you have uh, so uh, just as a hypothetical, uh, if someone in, in whatever genre of music, you know, whether it's uh, uh, something from where you're coming from or somebody working in, in hip hop or, or somebody working in, in indie style, um, you come from both places. You were part of a really uh, a, a band that uh, that was that was very, very much uh, on the scene in, in the 
the sort of college and indie circles in the eighties and, and, um, and had an influence and, and was influenced by other bands uh, at that time. We, we, but at the same time, you're, you're taking advantage of so much of the new technology and, and being able to work uh, in your own studio. Would you uh, like, and, and I saw too, from your website, you, you have been giving lectures at different uh, schools. Would you still recommend that a, someone go to school for music uh, or, or B, would you recommend that people kind of go completely DIY? Uh, if, if say you were, you know, being able to talk to someone uh, um, who's on the fence about maybe going into higher education for, for this kind of, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, music or, or video production. Well, the, in this day and age, I mean, it's, it's really wonderful to be able to, for a modest amount of money, get a decent recording setup, record a tune completely on your own. Okay. And, and, you know, with the right people do a professional job, get put up a website on like what Wix is an example. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cheap. Do it on Wix. Um, then have, um, go to a, a, a merchant account like Bandcamp. Yep. Band Zoogle, CD Baby, and right, stuff, right, right. and just publish yourself. Yeah, and it's it's it, you can do it. It costs it, it costs you hardly anything. Mostly your time, and yeah. time is yeah. money. I understand, but it mostly mostly your time. It's a wonderful thing. But but this is the downside: is that there's so much noise um clutter right now that that nobody nobody's really making money at all at at their music yes are there exceptions of course there's exceptions you know of course there's there's indie bands that you know that that are making money from gigging and stuff like that but really the prospects are are really fairly dismal you know, and, 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 and going back to that, that, that talk I did at one of your coffee houses back in the 90s, you, you, to this day, you still kind of have, have your own ecosystem where you have your, you know, your trade where you make money, okay? And that could be within the world of, let's say, music, you know? Um, you know, uh, could be anything for me with mind to gap, my company, I do sound design and I do professional voice talent. I have a team of, of great, um, um, recording artists and yeah. actors and actresses that are in, are in big demand by companies throughout the U S that's my niche. That's my thing. That's, that's the bread and butter. That's what allows me to do adventurous projects like Gallows, Pole, Tayrak, Whip, and so on. And I would say even today, even though you have these things that are readily, far more readily available than they were 20 years ago, places like Bandcamp, places like CD Baby, um, issues like the cost of professional audio technology, um, going down in price year after year after year where you can have a killer setup, you know, a couple good mics, um, a professional audio uh, interface with high quality mic preamps, a doll and everything for like something like $4,000. And boom, yeah. you, can, you can be recording your songs, recording your band. And, and decent recordings on having these channels that even though it's lower in cost and they're, and it's easy to, to self-publish um, yourself, you're still, um, you still have to find ways of sustaining it because the prospects are still fairly dim. They really are. And I know that sounds rather, rather dismal, my, my, my assessment, here, but I'm just trying to just, give a reality check. Sure. Really. No, 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 I, I, no, I think it's, it's good to know what you're getting into, you know? Uh, and, and, and if you can find, uh, like I said, if you find, if you were somebody just getting started and, and you find, uh, um, just a tremendous amount of, uh, excitement and, 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 and pleasure and, and, and joy in, in doing it for itself, uh, then of course, yeah, please keep, you know, just keep going. But as, as you said, though, if it's something where, um, you know, uh, 
it, it's, a, it's just an interesting time. And, and it kind of goes back to also what I guess I was mentioning with Kenneth about photography. You know, like right now, somebody completely unknown can gain thousands and thousands of followers around the world on Instagram. Uh, and suddenly, you know, um, raise their profile and, and, and want to be used in, in, in possibly uh, commercial photography campaigns. Uh, and, and so the, 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 the randomness of, 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 of not being held back um, by these sort of uh, gatekeepers, you know, the guys like yeah. in London going, no, 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 well, we, we, we can only work with this if we rebrand it. Um, is, is astonishing, but like you said, it's uh, it's still for 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 the most part um, uh, a, a noisy field. It's a place where the, there is a lot of competition or, or people clutter. Have the same dream, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in general, clutter. There's just yeah, it's just it's it just really is. So you kind of have to you kind of have to find ways if you want that recognition to kind of stand out and go the extra mile to try to do something something unique and hopefully that it can become monetized because monetizing you know as i said earlier monetizing your work your art your music whatever you know it's not necessarily a bad thing you know what i mean it's it's a beautiful thing it's just there are traps to it when when you start going down that road like there's traps to anything but you know if you can do it on your terms you know that's kind of ideally where you where you'd like to be so yeah so i mean i suppose like these days like if you uh you know if you have a passion for sneakers say and, and you're you're aspiring <laughs> so you're an aspiring uh hip-hop artist you know if you can tie these two together and 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 have them come out with you know these limited edition uh uh you know sneakers that will go on sale uh for uh you know become really really valuable you know whatever i mean like you can kind of tie there are still these areas where clothing merchandise I suppose. And, and even like the, the video stuff uh, where if it's not just, Hey, I'm just a musician, just making music. Uh, but you, you embrace these other areas then, then yeah, things can kind of have, I suppose, uh, an interesting way to, to work around it, you know, because yeah, and, and, yeah, and a way to yeah. cross market, cross market. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah. I mean? That's, the, you know, and there's, and you know, I mean, I think it gets a little ridiculous with some of these artists coming out with their whole clothes lines and stuff well, like that. Yeah, you, you, but, you, you know, but but right. you know, I mean, but I I guess okay, you know what I mean. I guess that's part of their brand, their whole image thing and stuff. I get that and sure. stuff like that. But yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. However, uh, it works. You know, however right, it works. Right. You know. Yeah, you I mean, know, you could, you you had an opportunity there. There, you had an opportunity there in the eighties for a lot a lot more people wearing eggs on their head. <laughs> and, and you blew you blew it, Mark. If you had just known how how that was so <laughs> so much of a niche that just could have been tapped. You know, Every with, time I walked off the stage, they, the women, the women, <laughs> they, they, they were just rage. Oh, put on that egg helmet again for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. That's uh, that's good to know. So uh, all right, cool. So we, I think we got it. I think we got it. So this will be a first of, uh, I'm sure, many uh, conversations, uh, and hopefully uh, we can sustain uh, the uh, bring it all home, bring it all back home concept, which uh, uh, you know is just going to keep changing, I suppose. But uh, it, I, you know, I still kind of look at it like, um, hey, what are you working on? What kind of creative projects are going on, and how does it kind of relate uh, to you know, I guess, original values or things that you relate to uh, growing up. That's my vague concept so far. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you know? I think this is great, Chuck. I'm, I'm yeah. really, I, I, I thoroughly, um, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. it was, okay, it, so, was, it was it was it was cool. So I'll post some links where people can find out about Gallows Poll, uh, and again, um, we will uh, we'll keep this rolling.